Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Today we're going to wrap up our study on the whole issue of doubt. We have come so far. Remember, this whole series was kicked off of our study of Isaiah 12 and the whole idea of joy. Because joy is the opposite, I believe, of doubt. And so we started looking at the passage, the M&M, Isaiah 12. And I hope you'll go back, if you haven't already, and do a great study of Isaiah 12 and what joy is. I I have a lot of other scriptures involved in the study guide available for that. So you can download that and study that and really soak and sit in the truths of who your God is. Because again, when we get who God is, we're prepared to face our moments of doubt because we all have them. In this series, and I've got my notebook here of all all of these notes that I've taken. We talked about the first session, we talked about what doubt is, we defined it, discussed different points of doubt that we all face from time to time. Then in the second session, we talked about the danger of doubt and we looked at Lot's wife and Job's wife and Peter and what we risk if we give in to doubt. Then in the third session, we talked about doubts dare, about how when God sometimes invites us to do something that doesn't make sense, Are we going to lean into doubt or are we going to dare to trust him? And today, we're going to wrap up this series talking about doubt's defeat. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... 
Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. If we want to be moms and women who know that we're going to face these tough moments where we're going to be really tempted to doubt God and his goodness and his provision for us, his faithfulness, his ability, his worthiness, his presence, how can we face that in such a way that we can defeat doubt? Well, in this session, I'm going to suggest to you that, again, when we have these moments when everything seems to be chaotic and spinning and we're overwhelmed and we're confused, right, in the aftermath and the shock waves after either a tragedy or sometimes even in just the aftermath of God inviting us to do something that we never really wanted to do, right, that's when we need to make sure that we realize this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to lean into God to learn, to practice trusting God. It's an opportunity to hold fast to what we believe, to stand firm on the, on the sure foundation of the gospel, to keep on keeping on, to wait, and to worship. So I've chosen three instances in scripture where I think there, it, there's a great illustration of someone who defeats doubt well. So I'm, I'm going to look at these three people. We've looked at so many already, and there's so many more that we could have examined. But I want to look right now at David, Joseph, and then the three amigos, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's start with David. David's life is truly a remarkable journey. Here we have the shepherd boy who became king. It's really a remarkable story of a young man who was the youngest of all of his brothers when Samuel came to anoint him as being directed from the Lord to go to the house of Jesse and anoint the next king of Israel. All of Jesse's sons passed before Samuel and Samuel just kept thinking, this has got to be the one. This has got to be, oh no, this has got to be the one. And as he, as each one of Jesse's sons passed in front, of Samuel. The Lord was like, yeah, no, that's not him. Nope, that's not him either. Mm, nope, not him. And finally, all six pass in front of him. And Samuel's like, uh, do you have any more? And Jesse said, actually, yeah, there's the youngest. He's with the sheep. And Samuel says, send for him. And David comes. He's this young, ruddy, raw, I mean, he's been out with the sheep, living with the sheep, herding the sheep, right? And the Holy Spirit says to Samuel, this is the one. This is the one. And it's David, a young man at this point who's been out in the wilderness, defending his father's flocks from the bear and the lion, who slept out underneath the star, who has been playing his harp in praise to God. This is the man that God says, this is the next king of Israel. This young man is the one that slays the, slays the giant Goliath. That's this David. 
This is the David, right? Who goes in because of his talent and sings for Saul, who's losing his mind to madness and calms Saul with his songs until Saul just can't stand it. And in two mad rages, tries to pin David to the wall on two separate occasions. And David ends up having to flee for his life. And actually for the next several years, David flees over and over from mountain cave to mountain cave, trying to stay away from Saul two times. Similar to the two times that Samuel tried to pin David to the wall two times, David has the opportunity to take Saul's life, but he doesn't because he believes that Saul is God's anointed and it's not up to David to take Saul out. That's a God thing. And so even though he could have, even though David himself is already anointed as the next king, he shows great self-restraint and does not take the life of Saul. Finally, Saul and his son Jonathan are killed in the same battle, and David ascends the throne. This man who came from such humble beginnings as just a shepherd boy is now the king of Israel. And Israel has a marvelous time under the reign of David. But there comes a time when it was the time for kings to go to war, and David did not go. David was not where he should have been, and he's bored. That's truly the impression you get when you read of this in the Bible, that he doesn't have anything to do. He should be with his troops. He should be leading his troops. He should be at the helm, but he's not. He's at home, and he's bored, and being bored as the king with nothing else to do doesn't play out well for David. If you know the story, one night he's restless and he's on the roof of his palace and he looks out and he sees this beautiful woman bathing and he sins for her and he sleeps with her and she becomes pregnant. David now in a panicked state, right? He thought maybe perhaps he could get away with this, but now... There is the consequence of his sin. The baby was never a punishment, but a consequence of David's sin. And so David now, instead of coming clean, right, he's in a moment of doubt, a very intense moment, right? Instead of leaning into trusting, he's doubting God. He's doubting God's worthiness of his self-control. He's doubting God, God's worthiness of his worship and his priority. He's doubting God's forgiveness at some level, and he's elevated himself into the position that he can handle this. He's king. He's got it. And when you read the biblical account of the extreme measures to which David goes to cover his tracks and what an abject failure all of his attempts are, I won't spoil it for you. You need to go back and read it. David endeavors over and over and over again to try to cover up his sin until God sends the prophet Nathan to confront the king. 
I don't know about you, but that's not a job that I would have won. I'm thinking that Nathan drew the short stick that day, right? And yet we see here Nathan also invited to do something that he probably didn't want to do and something that could have cost him his life easily. Go and confront the king and Nathan obeys. Nathan did exactly what God asked him to do and he goes and he confronts the king. And David and Nathan tells this story of this man who has this one sheep, this sheep that is his favorite sheep, right? And this one arrogant man who takes this sheep from this man. When he had all of his own flocks and herds, he could have had whatever other one he wanted, but he wanted this man's one sheep, his only sheep, his favorite sheep. And upon hearing this tale, David is incensed. And he says, that man ought to die. That's wrong. That should never have happened. And Nathan looks at the king and says, you are that man. You are that man. This is David's moment. It's been building to this climax David has been in a position of doubting God, God's love, God's forgiveness, God's wrath, his righteous indignation, God's judgment. All of these things David was doubting instead of trusting and leaning in to God. And what do we see that David does at this moment? I'll call your attention to probably a familiar psalm for you. And that is Psalm 51, because the example we have here with David is when you are in a moment of doubt, when you have given in to doubt instead of leaned into trust, when you failed, when you literally doubted that God loved you, that he would forgive you, that he would provide for you, that he was faithful, able, and present, when you lean into doubt, this is the example we get from David. When we lean into, doubt, lean into doubt, we need to dare to do what David did, and he repented. Psalm 51, be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the greatness of your compassion, blot out my iniquities. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me against you. And you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. David goes on and on through this psalm repenting of the sin that he did to God, asking for God to cleanse him with hyssop and make me clean. It's a beautiful example of what it looks like to truly have a broken and a contrite heart before God. David claims that these are things that God will not refuse. Look, I've failed. I have leaned into doubt, and I'm betting that you've had your moment. And the best way to recover, the best way to defeat doubt and to go forward is not to carry that shame and that guilt around, but to repent and allow God to wash us clean so that we can go forward free of that mistake 
because we know that he puts our sins as far as the east is from the west so that we can go forward. So one way to defeat doubt is to repent, to own it, to acknowledge it, and ask for God's forgiveness and receive his forgiveness. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of the Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Similarly, if we look at the life of Joseph, and Joseph is a character in the Bible about whom we never hear that he did anything sinful or wrong, right? I mean, he even flees from Potiphar's wife when she tries to seduce him. It's a remarkable story. I mean, here comes this woman. Potiphar's gone. He's, she's gotten everybody out of the house. It could have totally been pulled off without anybody probably ever knowing. And yet, and yet Joseph didn't hesitate. When she started to make a move on him, he ran. He ran. We see in the life of Joseph over and over circumstances that you're like, really? Can he cut a break? And yet over and over and over, God is transforming Joseph. He's calling Joseph deeper. And ultimately, he really favors Joseph to the point that he is second in command only to Pharaoh. And he's in that position at this moment in time for a very providential reason. And that's because his brothers who sold him into slavery are now coming to him because there's a famine back at home and they need grain. And who's in the position to give them the grain? But the brother... (laughs) You can't make this stuff up. I'm telling you, the biblical narrative has got it all. The brother that they sold into slavery, God has elevated to a position of power so that they can have the grain that they need. If you ever doubt that where you are is exactly where God needs you to be, to do exactly what he has for you to do at this moment in time, I'm telling you, there are countless stories in the Bible that point exactly to that. The sovereignty of God, the providence of God to position his people in the right places at his time to do his will. And that's what we see here with Joseph. And so go back and read it, right? The end of the book of Genesis and his brothers come and Joseph puts them through several tests. Have they changed? I mean, I'm not the same guy they sold all those years ago. I'm second in command at Pharaoh. They don't recognize me. I I recognize them. I remember those faces from above the pit. I remember being sold, right? Joseph remembers. Are they the same? Are they the same? And 
I have a younger, I, I have a younger brother. I, I want to see my younger brother, right? And so all of this is swirling in Joseph's head until he invites his brothers to a dinner and he reveals who he is. All of Joseph's family come, including his father. He gets to spend time with Benjamin, right? But then his father dies after having blessed all of the brothers. And the brothers are kind of panicked because they wonder now, now that dad is gone, what is Joseph going to do? And here's Joseph in a potential moment of doubt, in this, in this tension between trusting God, right? The brothers certainly trusting God or, or leaning into doubt. Look, the enemy is always trying to destroy relationships. He's always trying to get us to doubt each other, to doubt each other's integrity or truthfulness, right? Or faithfulness or loyalty. Loyalty. The enemy's always trying to do that. And so they had this reunion. They all moved there. And then after dad dies, then it's like, oh, another moment, right? Is is Joseph serious? Is he really who he says he's going to be? Did he just do that for dad? Is now he going to get the best of us? And yet, here in this moment, Joseph goes, guys, this moment was bigger than us. Yes, you sold me to slavery. Yes, and you shouldn't have done that, right? And you intended it for my evil. But look what God did. God intended this for good. You, you shouldn't have sold your brother. But look what God did. God positioned me so that you could have food and survive the phantom, so that you and all of the family and everybody could move here. See, David repented. Joseph forgave. Joseph forgave. He forgave his brothers. And all of the lack of trust. See, he was the victim of his brother's doubt. They sold him because they didn't trust God. They sold him because they doubted who God was. They didn't know who God was. And he was the victim of their doubt. And here in this moment, instead of heaping on them punishment for what they did, Joseph steps back and goes, guys, God had a bigger plan. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. You're, you're forgiven because Joseph trusted God and was more focused on what God had done and was doing than he was thinking about what men had done to him. Our third example, not surprisingly, how to defeat doubt. In Daniel 3, we have the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and you'll remember that they were three of Daniel's friends. Daniel is not in this chapter, and I might have said that wrong. No, Daniel 3. Daniel's not in this chapter, but three of his friends are. Three, and the four of them, Daniel and his three friends, had been taken in the exile into Babylon to be trained to be wise men in Nebuchadnezzar's court. And so these are three of Daniel's friends, right? 
And Nebuchadnezzar, they tried to do everything they could to extract everything Jewish, everything Hebrew out of these young boys. They taught them the language. They changed their names. They fed them Babylonian food and taught them Babylonian literature. Everything they could do, they wanted to make these young men Babylonian. And they couldn't. Because these young men were dedicated to God. How do I know that? Well, I know Daniel was, right? We have Daniel 1.8 where it says, And Daniel resolved. And we get that resolve from Daniel from the first chapter of the book through his entire ministry as God's prophet. Daniel stayed true to God over and over and over. He went into the king. He risked his life on behalf of the other wise men. He confronted the king. He not only interpreted dreams, he told the king the dream that the king had, and then he interpreted it. He faced the lion's den because he wouldn't stop praying. Daniel resolved. But there's every evidence here in Daniel 3 that so did his friends. They were committed to God. So Nebuchadnezzar, in all of his arrogance, creates this idol of himself. Really, really, really super tall, right? And he requires everybody to bow down. Everybody to bow down and worship at the sound of the harp and the lyre. And it's very interesting if you read the chapter in Daniel, all of these different instruments that are listed in this passage, all of these instruments are going to right on cue, start playing, and everybody's supposed to fall down and worship. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they didn't fall down and worship. There's no indication that they ever hesitated, ever wondered if it was ever a thought that they would fall down and worship. Oh, no. Oh, no. They weren't going to do it. And they were brought immediately to King Nebuchadnezzar. And I love this in this story. Nebuchadnezzar makes it very clear. You will bow down. And they're like, yeah, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. And he's like, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they're like, you know what? Our God is able to save us. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we will not bow down. That was their moment. That was their moment. Whereas David repented, Joseph forgave, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stood and obeyed. They trusted who God was, and they were willing to take the consequences, whether it was death or whether it was life, because God was on the throne of their hearts. They weren't going to allow some man, even some king, steal the rightful place of God on the throne of their hearts. And you remember the story. This infuriated Nebuchadnezzar, infuriated him. So much so that he heated up the furnace to seven times hotter. The guys who were heating it up died because it was so hot. They throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in. And this, we see the pre-incarnate Christ is in there. As Nebuchadnezzar looks inside and goes, wait, I thought we only threw three guys in. There are, what, who are those other guys? Who's the other guy? And when they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out, what just defied understanding, they weren't singed. They didn't even smell of smoke. They stood. They trusted God. So moms, 
The next time you face your moment of doubt, whether it is acted upon you and you're broadsided by the circumstances of life, or if it's a circumstance wherein God is extending an invitation to you to do something that you never would have thought of, right? I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to dare, to dare, to dare to defeat doubt by trusting and obeying God. Yes, you can, because as a child of the King, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who is your strength in weakness. We have the opportunity to repent of our doubt and embrace faith, to forgive others and enjoy peace that comes from forgiveness, and to stand in obedience and exalt God. Moms, we weren't, learned, we weren't made to live in doubt. We were made to walk in the joy that we get from the risen Christ who is coming again. I'll see you next time, moms, for our next series. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not going to scare Jesus, so ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.